I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. And I will continue talking about War of the Spark. Okay, so when last we left, we were up to O, which gets us to Oath of Gaia, which is a legendary enchantment. So when Oath of Gaia enters the battlefield, it deals three damage to any target, and you gain three life. When an opponent attacks a Planeswalker you control with one or more creatures, Oath of Kaya deals two damage to that player, and you gain two life. So uh, the Oaths are what we do whenever a, uh, a character, a Planeswalker, joins the Oath of the Gatewatch, they get a card. So uh, Kaya is the one that joins the Gatewatch this time, uh, and so she gets an Oath. So the way the Oaths work, uh, when we first made them back in uh, Oath of the Gatewatch, um, is you have two abilities. The first is an enter the battlefield effect. Uh, and the idea is... Oh, sorry. Did I say what Othakaya cost? Um, Othakaya... I don't think I said that, actually. Hold on a second. Um, so I think Othakaya cost... Oh, one white-black. Costs one white-black. So it costs three mana. The idea is the enter the battlefield effect usually is a decent, like... So this drains a target for three. Okay, one way beat. I like that's not a bad cost to drain a target for three. Uh, and then its second ability is uh, usually a static or triggered ability uh, that interacts with planeswalkers in some way. So this one says whenever an opponent attacks a planeswalker you control with one or more creatures, uh, you get to drain that player for two. So it protects your planeswalkers, meaning anytime someone tries to attack your planeswalkers, it comes at a cost. So it makes it harder for them to kill your planeswalkers. Um, and the idea of the oath is that you play them because they're just general value, but, you know, they're helpful uh, with Planeswalkers. Now, the interesting thing is normally the O's, they have two abilities, and the first ability is why you'll play it in Limited, and the second ability is more like a once-in-a-while-matters-in-a-constructed thing. But, <laughs> this is the one set where O... The second ability comes up all the time in Limited because you got Planeswalkers in play because it's a Planeswalker set and there's lots of Planeswalkers. So it's funny that this is definitely an ability that often might not matter. In fact, matters probably more in Limited than it matters in Constructed. Normally the Planeswalker ability is a, a, a Constructed thing that almost never happens in Limited where this is the reverse here. Where I mean, it might happen in Constructed, but it happens all the time in Limited. So that's kind of cool. Okay, next, Obnixilis, the Hate Twisted. Three black black, legendary planeswalker, Nixilis, uh, loyalty five. Uh, whenever an opponent draws a card, Obnixilis the Hate Twisted deals one damage to that player. Minus two, destroy target creature, its controller draws two cards. Okay, so this is one of our uncommon mono black cards. So we have, once again, uh, there's one hybrid cycle of ten at uncommon and two mono card cycles. Um, Obnixilis is a character that's always appeared in mono black. Uh, as a character, he's pretty black-red, meaning just as from a motivational standpoint. Um, so when we were considering doing Omnixilis, we talked about black-red. Like I said, we talked about Omnixilis and Tybalt and Angrath all being black-red. Um, we ended up with uh, going with Angrath because he's he's never not been black-red, although he's only appeared once. Um, but Omnixilis has been mono-black before, so I felt like, okay, there could be a time in it. Like, at some point, you'll see Omnixilis. I think we'll do him black-red at some point. Uh, but right now, every time you've seen him, he's been mono-black. So it felt fine making him mono-black here. Um, so it started... Um, I think he started as the static ability, 
remember when we turned over, uh, all the uncommons only had one ability, either the static triggered ability or the minus ability. I think he starts, so that's uh, the static ability, or sorry, the triggered ability is um, underground dream, Underworld Dreams. It's an enchantment from Legends uh, that does damage in, whenever somebody draws a card. I mean, this is, yeah, I think it says whenever an opponent draws a card. Anyway, we gave him that ability. Uh, which obviously matters because your opponent's going to draw a card, at least one card every turn. So bare minimum, this does one a turn. Now, obviously, if they have cantrips or other card drawing, you can do more. Um, and then, to try to tie it together, because we like to have, is the idea of, can we give him a creature destruction spell that comes at a cost? Because one of the things about Nixilus is that uh, he's very black. Uh, this is a very black ability. It's like, well, you can kill him, but it comes at a cost to you. And the cost is it it gives the person you destroy two cards. Um, so the neat thing about it is there's two uses in this card. One is you can use it on the opponent's creatures, uh, and he has a loyalty of five, so he can kill two creatures, but they get to draw a card. So while you get to kill something, um, the idea behind this ability when using it against somebody else is hopefully what you're killing is so important, it's a big enough of a danger that you're willing to let them have two cards in exchange. The other thing you can do is you also can effectively use this as sack a creature, draw two cards. So if you want to be, if you want to use the ability to draw two cards, you can. Um, and so like it, it's very flexible on how you can use it. Note if your opponent's the one drawing cards, if you kill your opponent's creatures and they draw two cards, it does trigger the trigger ability. So essentially it's, um, if you're destroying their opponent's creatures, it's destroy a creature, they draw two cards and lose two life. So... Um, the, the, that's nice how the static ability ties into the activated ability. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. I'm sorry, it's a trigger. I keep saying static. It's technically a triggered ability. Okay. Up next. Parhelion 2. Six white-white legendary artifact vehicle. 5-5. Five, five. When Parhelion 2 attacks, create two 4-4 four, four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance that are attacking. Crew 4. Um, so we knew, remember when I started making this set, I said, okay, now is the time to make the things that people have always wanted that it's hard to make in a normal guild set. Well, one of these things was the Parnelian 2. The Parnelian 1, I think, existed in the earlier story. It got referenced before. But anyway, this is the giant Boro ship. And we knew it was going to play a role in the story. And we wanted, well... I think we wanted to see it. I think Doug had, had had it playing a role in the story. But it's one of those things that people like have been asking about. We had never done vehicles in Ravnica. And so, okay, once we're going to do... Like, once we knew we were doing vehicles in Ravnica, it's kind of like, well, you, you got to do that Parnelian too. Like, that's the big Boro ship. So we did. Uh, the trick on this one is trying to make it sort of grandiose enough. So we ended up choosing to make it expensive and large. So, I mean, it's eight mana... Um, we made it white. I think we made it white because we made Mizium tanks red. We decided that all the vehicles we were making colored, but we weren't going to make multicolored. We had to make a single color. And Mizium tanks we made red, so we made this one white. Um, and uh, as it's a big flying thing, I mean, I guess red has dragons. It, it, it made sense in white. So anyway, we gave it um, a bunch of abilities because it's definitely uh, a scary ship. So it's 5-5, five, five, it flies, it has first strike, it has vigilance. Um, and then... Because it's uh, manned by angels, uh, when it attacks, you make two angels. So we just made this... The idea is sometimes we like to make cards that are just big and expensive, but they just do grandiose giant things. So the idea is, yeah, it's expensive. It's, it's not easy to get the Parnelian 2, but once you do, 
You know, like once you, you crew it up and attack, like, okay, not only are you attacking with a 5-5 five, five, um, ship, but it comes with two 4-4 four, four angels, so it's pretty grandiose and splashy. Uh, and that's what we want on this card, is just something sort of fun and splashy. Like, people, people have been waiting for this card for a long time, so we wanted, we wanted to pay it off for them. Next, plane-wide celebration. Five green-green sorcery, choose four. You may choose the same mode more than once. Create a 2-2 citizen creature token that's all colors. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Proliferate, or you gain four life. So this was inspired by... we. One of the things that we, in, in the past, have not done a great job of is really reinforce the end of the story. A lot of times we kind of, like, like sort of things happen, but we don't... Like, this. What there was a victory. Uh, and this, I think, was inspired by, like, Star Wars. Like, you know, in Star Wars, when they win, there's, there's, there's a planet-wide celebration, or sometimes there's multiple, multiple planet-wide celebrations. We kind of wanted that feel. Like, we wanted to really say, hey, let's communicate, the good guys won. Like, it was, it, it was a long arc... Bulls had a lot of victories, but finally, finally, the good guys won. And so we wanted to have a card that sort of referenced that. Um, and so this was a fun kind of idea. The idea here was to do sort of a command, um, but a, better than a command. Command, you have four choices, you can choose two. This is, you have four choices, you can choose four. And we sort of doubled up, saying, well, you can choose, you can choose anything as many times as you like. So if you want to do the same thing four times, you can. And the idea was uh, just what are green things that represent celebration? Oh, making creatures. Oh, the people gather together. That sounds cool. Return, uh, you know, regrowth a card. So get a permanent bat. That's pretty cool. Proliferate. That makes sense in this episode. Proliferate. Uh, and you gain four life. That's awesome. So all these seem like things that are positive. And um, this is definitely a fun card. I mean, like I said, this is another splashy card that you're not going to play early. But when you play it, a lot can happen. Um, and so this is the kind of card that when you get to play it, you know, you, you get to do something. And you have, because you have so many choices... You're, you're pretty guaranteed that something you're going to do is going to be pretty splashy. So that's cool. Next, Pollen Bright Druid. One in a green for a 1-1 one, one elf druid. It's obviously a creature. When Pollenite Druid enters the battlefield, choose one. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature or proliferate. Um, so this is a good example of a proliferate card that has nice function to it. So the idea essentially is it's a 1-1 one, one creature. Um, if I... If I... Like, if I... The reason it's not just one creature that enters and proliferate is it's a two-drop. Well, there's plenty of times on turn two I just don't have anything to proliferate. And so if it's 1G, 1-1, enter the battlefield, proliferate, you might feel bad because you might be just opportunities where you don't have, you can't do anything. And, you know, playing a card where you, the, the ETB effect just doesn't do anything that doesn't feel good. So what we did is we gave it two options. Um, and the other option is something that, like, let's say you have two of these in your hand. Well, the first one I can cast and I can put a plus one, plus one counter on my creature. The second one, if I want to, I can choose what I want to do, but I, you know, um, it, the, the, any future ones will at least be affected by the first one being out there. Um, and so we felt like this was a cool thing. Um, I think they, we might have talked about whether or not to put a counter on itself or on any target, and we felt like, well, any target just makes the card a little bit more useful. Like, one of the nice things about one of the nice things about this card is two drops a lot of the time are very useful early in the game, but later in the game aren't quite as useful. Like, oh, like, you know, a two-mana two-two. Like, okay, yeah, turn two, that's great. But turn five, turn six, turn seven, like, eh, probably can't get through. Maybe you can block or something. Um, but putting a plus one counter on a target creature, you know, you can put on your evasive creature or, you know, the, the biggest creature you have if you need to make it bigger. Um, and you also have proliferating, meaning you already have a bunch of counters. You know, instead of putting one counter on, you can do a bunch of counters. Obviously, you know, it plays with, with a mask. You know, it just does a lot of different things. And so 
Um, I like how this card's a nice, simple card, but that just thematically plays in with all the themes we're doing. Um, and so, I don't know, like that, stuff like that's important, having just nice, simple designs that sort of help connect everything together. Okay, next, Raal, Storm Conduit. So two blue-red for Legendary Planeswalker Raal, loyalty four. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, Raal Storm Conduit deals one damage to target opponent or Planeswalker, plus two, scry one, minus two. When you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets. Okay, well, Raal is our, our is-it guy. Um, we made him rare just because um, we ended up doing Sahili the Uncommon and then did Raal the Rare for blue-red. Um, yeah, blue-red was the one where there was, there was a bunch of choices. Um, like I said, Dak... We didn't know about the story. We didn't know he was going to die in the story yet. Um, he, uh, we had a bunch of options of blue-red. We knew we wanted Ral. Ral was the, the slam dunk because he, he plays a big part of the story. He plays a big part of the... In fact, he was the main character in the Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica Allegiance part of the story. Um, so we knew we needed him. And um, anyway, so his uh, triggered ability is something that just says, okay... Um, I, I want you to play instant sorceries. Like, his card is designed really to say, hey, I'm, I'm an it guy. I'm going to try to help you. I'm going to try to be very izzity. And the izzity thing you want is playing instant sorceries. That's usually their theme. Um, and so this card says, okay, let me, let me do three things that will help you. Number one, anytime you play instant sorcery, I'll deal damage to the opponent. So it just rewards you for playing instant sorceries. I'll scry to help you find instant sorceries. And... Um, I can copy your things so that, you know, and, and once again, the copying will tie into the first, the, the, the trigger ability and that if I copy it, again, I get to do damage. So it just sort of all ties together and lets him sort of be uh, an instant sorcery package. Um, you know, Raul has, can vary a little bit. Um, we talked about whether he's supposed to have a coin flip. Uh, his last card, um, or not his last, well, one, one of his cards, one of his card, most famous cards had a time walk where you had a coin flip for it. Uh, and we've already talked about how much coin flipping Ral should do. We like having some, but inside it's here. We'd rather give a more straightforward instant sorcery card. But, um, anyway, I think some people should enjoy that. Next, Ravnica at War. Three and white, sorcery. Exile all multicolored permanents. So one of the things we were trying to do because there's a war, we wanted to have a number of sweepers. Normally we don't have that many sweepers. So the fact that we're doing extra sweepers because it's war, meant we had to sort of make them a little nichier to make sure that each of them had a role. So this one's like, okay, well, I'm on Ravnica, and I, I think this is trying to show all the devastation to Ravnica. It's like, well, I'm going to not just destroy on Exile, because White sometimes exiles, but on Exile, multicolored permanent. So there's a lot of multicolored permanents on Ravnica. So it really has a sense like I'm, I'm harming Ravnica, because specifically to Ravnica, there's a lot. I mean, I mean this card is a little more narrow. Uh, obviously limited you play because a lot of gold cards but in Constructed it's the kind of thing that depending on your metagame might be very valuable or might not be valuable uh, and then so it is like I said a little more niche but in the right circumstance can be very valuable so it really comes down to what's the right you know what is the right um, environment Nesk next Rolalesk Apex Hybrid that is hard to say Rolalesk Apex Hybrid two green green blue so five mana two green one Five mana total, two of which is green, one of which is blue. It's a legendary 4-5 human mutant. So it's a creature. Flying and trample. When Rolalesk Apex Hybrid enters the battlefield, put two plus and plus encounters on another target creature you control. 
when Rolex dies, proliferate, then proliferate again. Okay, so this was made to play into, so we wanted to both be simicky and to sort of tie into the themes of the set. So uh, counter-granting is a big part of, this, of um, the Simic, and proliferating is a big part of the set. Uh, and it ties a lot, you know, like I said, the Simic seemed like the right place we'd proliferate if it was a guilt mechanic. So the idea here, which is kind of cute, is come on, do something twice, which is put a plus one plus one counter on a creature. When it dies, do something twice, which is proliferate. So um, we give it flying and trample because it's a blue-green card. So uh, the blue is the flying, the green is the trample. We do that a lot on gold cards. Um, and then it just has two abilities. Um, the, the first ability, uh, well, and the first ability leans toward green because plus and plus one counters. Uh, pl proliferate, blue proliferates a little more than green, although they both proliferate. So this is definitely one of those cards is sort of the combination. Um, if not for the flying, I guess green could do this, but other green wouldn't have the flying creature. So the whole pack and the whole package is super civic-y, So I kind of like it as a blue, green, a green, blue card. Okay, next roll reversal: blue, blue, red. So three mana total, two which is blue, one is red. Sorcery: exchange control of two target permanents that share a permanent type. So those that know me you know I love swapping things. I like exchanging control. Um, uh, Ledger Domain uh, it was my card way back in Tempest because uh, I used to have a deck I played back in the days, uh, in my Johnny days, where the whole point of my deck was I would play the things that I, I wanted you to have that you didn't want to have, uh, and then I would tr trade you creatures that had crazy upkeep costs that I could pay that you couldn't pay. Um, and I used to use Gauntlets of Chaos and Juxtapose, which were the first two spells that did this. Uh, and then I made, I made Ledger Domain to make it a little easier to do that. Uh, and Roll Reversal is playing in the same space. Uh, the key thing about Roll Reversal is you can exchange whatever you want, whatever permanent you want, but you've got to exchange it for the same thing. So um, if I want to exchange an enchantment, for example, they have to have an enchantment. Um, or I want to change an artifact, they have to have an artifact. Um, but anyway, uh, not that I made this particular card, but it definitely plays into my sensibilities of the type of spells that I enjoy. Okay, next, Sahili. Uh, Sahili's um, Sublime Artificer. One uh, hybrid hybrid, so three mana total, and the hybrid is blue or red. So one blue or red, blue or red. Uh, she is a legendary planeswalker, Sahili. Loyalty five. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a one-one colorless servo artifact creature token. Minus two, target artifact you control becomes a copy of another target artifact or creature you control until end of turn, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. Okay, so Sahili is the inventor. Um, like I said, we had to make a choice at the blue-red hybrid what we wanted. We knew we wanted Rollet Rare, uh, and the choice was really between Dak or Sahili at the uncommon slot. Um, once again, we did not know that Dak dying happened later when the, when the novel got written. The set was done by that point. So had we known, yes, had we known that Dak was going to die in the book, this would have been Dak. Um, we didn't, so that's why it's not. Um, I think the option is... Um, in general, Sahili just, we had a, a cool design idea, and she's, you know, I don't know. Um, I just think that we, we opted towards Sahili. The, um, so her, her static, or sorry, her trigger ability uh, makes servo tokens. Servo tokens are native to Kaladesh, so it's a key sort of title there. Um, once again, it's blue and red, so it's playing a little bit into the space. It says non-creature, so... Um, if you're playing artifacts or enchantments, not just instances of sorceries, it triggers this. It does let you play her in an artifact-focused deck, or it lets you play her in an instant sorcery-focused is-it deck. So she's sort of flexible to do either of those. 
Uh, and then her minus ability, which is, um, well, I, I guess when we originally made this slot, um, I don't think it was Sahili. So we, I think when we made it in, uh, interestingly, I think when we made this card in Vision, it was originally, we made it Dak and not Sahili. And then it got switched in set design. Um, anyway, um, so this, got, this card got made in set design. Um, they basically played into our build. Sahili is an inventor. So one of the things they tend to do is that she takes artifacts and she makes them into other things. That's kind of her inventorness that she can sort of turn artifacts into things. Uh, here they made it not just copy other artifacts, but copy other creatures because uh, it's an uncommon card. There weren't a lot of artifacts to copy. So we wanted it to be a little more flexible. The card is a little bit narrow just because there's not a lot of artifacts. Um, but the, the, the trick for this card is because she makes artifacts, she makes servo tokens, her second ability works in limited because, oh, well, just play nine creature spells, make servo tokens, then the servo tokens can be changed in other things. And it references creatures. So even though in limited there's not a lot of artifact cards, her uh, triggered ability allows you to be able to do this. And the fact that she can copy creatures, there's plenty of creatures in play. Then the idea is in Constructed, where you can build around her and put in artifacts. You know, like, in Limited, she's much more about um, taking her servos and turning them into creatures. Where in Constructed, you're making artifacts, and then she can stop co copying artifacts and stuff. So she was designed so that she had a role to play in Limited and a role to play in Constructed. And I, I definitely think, um, from what I understand, she's getting played in Constructed. So I, I think mission accomplished on that on that task. Okay, next. Samut. Samut Tyrant Smasher. Two hybrid hybrid, hybrids red or green. So two red or green, red or green. Legendary playing with Walker Samut. Loyalty five. Creatures you control have haste. Minus one. Target creature gets plus two plus one and gains haste until end of turn. Try one. Okay, so a couple things. One is she's red green. We had a bunch of choices for the red green slot, um, but we ended up choosing Samut. Um, we like the idea that from a story standpoint that the Bolas got his army from Amonkhet, uh, the Dread Horde. And we liked the idea that there was someone on the good guy side from Amonkhet. Um, and it was a nice story point uh, for those that read the book. The fact that she really, Samut knows these people. Like, she takes great offense. Like, you know, as she's killing uh, Eternals, it's like she's putting them to rest. Like, these, these people were supposed to already met their eternal rest. And so, I mean, Samut's a really interesting character that there's a great injustice, more so than anybody else. What Bolas has done. The army is of great offense to her. Uh, and I think that was a really cool take on it. And she was a neat character to have in the story. Um, and her, her shtick is super speed, by the way. Um, she's also a little strong, I believe. But um, she's our speedster. By the way, the funny thing is that every time, back when we first made Samut, the way I wanted to design her, this, this didn't win the day, is I wanted all of her abilities to do the same thing twice. So that either way we represent super speed is, you know, do one damage, do one damage. I, I, and, and then her, the, the shtick of her character would be every time you do something, just does it twice. But anyway, they didn't go with that. But I, I really like that design. Um, okay, so she's red-green. Um, I think that uh, the card originally... There was a mono-green card that originally granted, like, did a little boost. Um... But when we ended up moving the plus one, plus one counters to mono green, we decided to move this to red green. Uh, we made it plus two, plus one, since when red pumps stuff, it tends to pump power higher than toughness. So to make the card feel a little bit more red. Um, the other thing was the card really wanted to grant haste uh, as a static ability. At the time, green was tertiary in haste. It was a little weird because being tertiary means you usually don't grant the ability. 
Um, we were going to make a special exception for this card, and then we decided we wanted to move haste from secondary, tertiary and green to secondary and green, which now makes us completely on board. So, this card went from being like something of a big discussion to being, oh, it's just fine. Um, the other big question again this card is, why does the second ability, why does the minus ability grant haste when the static ability grants haste? And the answer is, if I'm using the last of her loyalty, meaning Semu's gonna go away, if I didn't have that ability on the line, you, it, it wouldn't have the ability. So we didn't want you to go, oh, I play a creature, I use up Semut to boost it, and then, oh, I can't attack because she went away and the static ability went away. Now they can't attack. That, that's why it grants haste. So that if you use up her, her loyalty, the creature still gets to attack. That, that, that is why it seems like, oh, aren't you repeating yourself? That, that functionality. Okay, Sarkin the Masterless. Three red red. So five mana total, two which is red. Legendary Planeswalker Sarkin, loyalty 5. Whenever a creature attacks you or a Planeswalker you control, each dragon you control deals 1 damage to that creature. Plus 1 until end of turn, each Planeswalker you control becomes a 4-4 four, four red dragon creature and gains flying. Um, minus 3, create a 4-4 four, four dragon creature token with flying. So I think we knew... Uh, we had talked about whether Sarkin could just be a minus that made dragons, but decided that just that wasn't uncommon. Like, just making dragons wasn't uncommon, so we, he knew he needed to be rare, which meant that he needed an extra ability. Um, so I think we knew the, the minus was making dragons. He's, just a, he's the dragon planeswalker. Um, and then I think they got the plus ability, uh, saying, oh, well, what if now can he become it, but he can, he can turn other planeswalkers into dragons. Um, we, we thought that was kind of cute. Uh, and then the static ability, uh, or sorry, it's a trigger ability. The trigger ability was just like, well, um, why don't we just do something that sort of plays into his dragonness? It, it's it's a little more narrow ability, uh, but the idea essentially is uh, the more dragons you have, the more defense he does. So if you if you want to play a planeswalker dragon deck, he's your man. Uh, and you know, once again, some of the static moves on the on the, on the planeswalkers because we did so many static and trigger abilities. Um, are narrow, like in the right deck they can matter. I think in the right deck this can matter quite a bit. Um, but uh, it, it, it's not something that's supposed to matter a lot of time. Look, he gets to make dragons, he gets to turn planeswalkers into dragons, and limited he's plenty. Those two abilities are plenty good. Um, so I, I, I think the static ability was trying to tie that all together. It's a bit narrow, but it does sort of tie them, so that's nice. Silent Submersible, blue, blue, artifact vehicle. When Silent Submersible deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, draw a card. Uh, it's got crew, crew true, sorry, crew two, and it's a two three. Um, I think at one point, by the way, I think this did have some kind of evasion. I think it ended up being too good because um, having the ability to um, curiosity, the uh, saboteur ability to draw a card uh, when you do damage, is just very strong. So I do believe at one point this is supposed to be the, a Demir vehicle. I think. Um, at one point, they're supposed to have some kind of evasion. I think that was too strong, and they changed it. Um, I, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's a sub. Shouldn't it have some evasion? I think it did originally, um, but it was too strong, and so uh, they changed it. I, I, I do get the note that the flavor, the flavor of this really wants to be something that uh, gets some kind of evasion. So I don't, I don't, maybe it was supposed to be if I hit, I could pay mana to draw a card. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I do admit that the where this ended up sometimes, not that the card is not usable or interesting, but the flavor sort of fights a little bit against itself. 
And as a general rule, when everybody intuitively asks the same question and there's no clean answer, that usually means you, you messed up a little. So that, that design did want some kind of invasion, even if it's a very conditional invasion. Next, Soren, Vengeful Bloodlord. Two white black, so four mana total, one of which is white, one of which is black. Legendary Planeswalker Soren, loyalty four. As long as it's your turn, creatures and planeswalkers you control have lifelink. Plus two, Soren, Vengeful Bloodlord, deals one damage to target player or planeswalker. Minus X, return target creature card with converted cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a vampire in addition to its other types. Okay, so this one, we knew, um, the real question was whether Kaya or Soren was going to be rare. The other one was going to be uncommon. Um, I think we decided that, uh, I think we had an ability we liked for, the, the ability we made in a vacuum, when we made the white-black by itself without knowing anybody who it was, I think we liked it and it made sense as Kaya. So we decided to make that Kaya and just make, um, I know all the Gatewatch are rare or higher. I mean, Kaya becomes Gatewatch, but she's not Gatewatch for most of them. So all the existing Gatewatch was rare or above it. True, Kaya becomes. But uh, I, I think we liked uh, having, we liked the card we had made and that was uncommon and made sense as Kaya. So anyway, Soren, um, Soren we always like to do uh, vampire-ish things. That's just sort of shtick as a, as a thing. So the idea of lifelink, because, you know, you're sucking things off things, make cool. I think they didn't want it to be too defensive, so they made it only on your turn. So it's uh, an aggressive thing and encourages you to attack. Um, he also does damage to things. So the plus two is just... Uh, uh, the, the, because he gives Planeswalkers lifelink, uh, if you plus two in your turn and do damage, you are, you are draining things. So while it doesn't say you drain things... Uh, the combination of his trigger ability and that ability makes him drain things. So once again, he's he's a vampire. He gets to drain things. Uh, and then his final ability is sort of uh, raising things from the dead. You turn the dead into vampires. Um, so that that was kind of cute. And then it's a minus X loyalty ability. We don't do that all, all that often. We do it every once in a while. Where the idea is you, you have to build up more loyalty to get larger things. So if you want to get a really big thing, you know, he's plus two on his ability. So, you know, you can build them up relatively quickly and then you can try to get up some big thing, which is kind of cool. Okay, next. Uh, Soul Diviner. Blue-black. 2-2 zombie wizard. It's a creature. Tap. Remove a counter from an artifact creature, land, or planeswalker you control. Draw a card. Um, so, this is um, meant for limited. It's a build around me limited. It's the uncommon. I think it's uncommon blue-black build around. The idea here is um, that blue-black can do the thing where it's sort of feeding off counters, and uh, blue has access to proliferate, and there's just it's just sort of a fun way to play where um, you're using your counters more as a resource rather, you know, rather than using them for whatever they're normally used for, you get them to be as a resource. Um, I'm not sure why this doesn't say a, 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 a permanent... The fact that it's spelled out and literally doesn't say enchantment says to me it constructed. There are some concerns with eating the tokens off enchantments. I'm not, I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if it played with sagas or something. I'm not, I don't know what in limited caused problems. My guess is sagas. Maybe it lets you keep repeating the same saga or something. So the same the chapter of the saga. I'm, I'm not sure. There's a reason it doesn't say enchantments, but I don't know what it is. I, I know it's play design. Spark double, three and a blue, creature illusion. You may have Spark Double enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature or planeswalker you control, except it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter on it if it's a creature. If it enters with an additional loyalty counter, uh, and enters with an additional loyalty counter if it's a planeswalker. If it isn't legendary, 
it, and it isn't legendary if that permanent is legendary. So we've been asked forever to have um, uh, clone a planeswalker. Uh, so this card was kind of satisfying that. I think they decided to make it a little more broad just in case you didn't have a planeswalker. So you can copy a, a creature or a planeswalker. And then the idea of just having the extra counter just gave it a little, just to make it feel a little bit different. It's kind of cute. Like, oh, this creature gets plus one counter if it's a, a planeswalker gets a loyalty. Um, but this is just something people have been asking for forever. It's kind of hard to make a copy of Planeswalker just because normally there's a Mythic Rare. So, like, it's it's hard to make something in which there's so few of them and there's such high rarity. So, we were making a Planeswalker set. This really was the time and place to finally make it. Spark Harvest. Uh, single black. Sorcery. As an additional cost to cast a spell, sacrifice a creature or pay three and a black. Destroy target creature or Planeswalker. Um, so, the idea here was... We wanted to sort of play into the story. We knew that the Eternals were uh, harvesting sparks, so this card was trying to capture that sense. Um, I think we said Creature or Planeswalker just to make the card more generally useful, even though obviously in the story, there are spark harvesting the Planeswalkers. Um, and the idea is, sacrifice a creature sort of plays in the idea of, oh, the Eternals are sacrificing themselves to do it. Um, and then, you know, you can pay extra. You can pay three black black instead of black and a creature. But it... We like the idea of black using its resources where it can. So it's like it's a cheap kill spell if you're willing to sacrifice a creature. If not, you know, it's, a, it's not too bad. It's a five-mana spell. Um, so it really played into the story. Like it's one of those things where it mechanically plays well. Uh, like I said, remember, there's a, one of the things that the blue black hat can do is use a mask as a creature resource. We're constantly sacrificing things. So we wanted to have a bunch of outlets for you to sacrifice creatures. For example, this is one of them in black. So black has a bunch of creature sacrifice outlets. Okay, next, Storiv. Devkarin, Devkarin, Devkarin Lich. Storiv, Devkarin Lich. Uh, one black, black, green. So four mana total, two which is black, one inch green. It's a legendary 5-4 zombie elf wizard. So it's a, it's a creature, obviously. When Storev Devkarin Lich deals combat damage to a player or a planeswalker, return to your hand, target creature or planeswalker card in your graveyard that wasn't put there this combat. So the idea is to get things back from the grave. Um, Black doesn't normally get back planeswalkers. This is definitely us pushing a little bit. Uh, a little, I mean, Black gets back creatures, no problem. Um, but I think in this set, we were trying to make Planeswalkers more relevant. So we did a lot of creature or Planeswalker. Whenever we would affect a creature, we kind of asked ourselves, hey, could it say creature or Planeswalker just to make it more relevant here in a Planeswalker set? And so we, we made a few bends. It's not a crazy bend, but like I said, Black doesn't normally um, get back Planeswalkers from the graveyard. But we felt like in a Planeswalker set where a lot of the characters were Planeswalkers. It, it, it felt right here. Like, if we're going to make make the bend, this felt like the right place to make the bend. Um, and Black Green is the Golgari, so we like the idea of Golgari had this life-death cycle, so it just felt sort of like a good choice to do it here. That felt kind of cool. Okay, Tamiyo. Tamiyo, Collector of Tales. Two green-blue, so four mana total. One of which is green, one of which is blue. Legendary Planeswalker, Tamiyo. Loyalty, five. Spells and abilities your opponent control can't cause you to discard cards or sacrifice permanence. So she's protecting your stuff. Plus one, choose a non-land card name. Then reveal the top four cards in your library. Put all cards with the chosen name from among them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. And then minus three, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So the idea is, uh, Tamio is uh, a story... She's a scientist. She's a researcher. So, um... 
Like one of the things that's interesting is Narset is very much about information and Tamio is also about sort of studying. And so trying to keep them off each other is interesting. Um, I think so. Uh, Tamio's base blue. We did her as Bant, uh, blue, white, green, last time we saw her. Um, so we had some options here. We, the only three-color Planeswalker we did was Bolas, we, so we knew we wanted to be two colors. Um, we knew she was base blue. That meant she had to either be white-blue or green-blue. Uh, we had both Dovin, who's leading the Azorius, and Teferi, who's part of the Gatewatch, in white-blue. So we had no white-blue slots. Uh, in green-blue, we had... Um, Kiora, but we had one of the slots, so we used Tamio in green-blue. Uh, there was a choice in doing her base blue, uh, but we ended up choosing to do Narset in base blue, and then we decided to do Tamio in green-blue. Um, so the idea here was, we like the idea of having her be, name a card, look at top four cards, and you get it if you name the right thing. That felt kind of cute and sort of, I don't know, felt a little researchy. Like, if you have a good sense of what you need, you know, that she can she can sort of find the thing she wants, but you don't get to search your whole deck, you know, so... But it's like, in the moment, you can name the thing you really need, and, and if it's there, then you get access to it. Um, and then we gave her the regrowth ability, so, look, you're going to spill some stuff into your graveyard. Um, you know, because the first... The, the plus ability puts things in the graveyard. So it's like, well, I can name what I want, and then I can sort of go back and get things that I need that I missed. Um, and then... I think her static ability is one of the ones that... There's a bunch of narrow static abilities that just came later on when they were trying to... Because everybody had a static static or triggered ability. Um, and so this is an extra static ability, though. Uh, and so I think that they were just trying to find things. The idea... They like the idea that she has a little bit of a protectress nature to her. That, you know, she definitely has been watching out for people. So this ability said, okay, I just protect against certain effects. And uh, it's very anti-black. Uh... I'm not sure why we, we, we did that, but uh, both sacrificing creatures and discarding cards is very black. Um, interestingly, I mean, she, well, she's not a green-white character, but um, I mean, black is opposite of green. But we like the idea that she sort of protects you against danger. So that was kind of the shtick there. Okay, next. The fairy, Time Raveler. One white-blue, so three mana total, one of which is white, one of which is blue. Legendary Planeswalker to fairy, loyalty four. Each opponent casts spells any, only at a time they can cast a sorcery. So it keeps them from, people from casting instants. Plus one until your next turn. You may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. Um, and then minus three. Return up to one target artifact, creature, or enchantment to its owner's hand. Uh, so it bounces permanence. Um, oh, but not, non, non-land permanence, not in planeswalker permanence. So artifact, creature, enchantment to its owner's hand, draw a card. Um, so the idea here is he messes with time and so his static ability is sort of like oh well I make all their instants into sorceries and then his plus one ability is I make your sorceries an instant so they sort of mirror each other and then his minus three is and I can sort of undo things that you have done um, so you know Teferi really plays in the I kind of mess with you space which is kind of neat for white blue and as someone who messes with time it's, it's kind of a neat time flavored thing so um, I, I like Anyway, I like how we played out with that, and I like how, you know, he actually has a static and a plus ability that kind of mirror each other. That's not, that's not easy to do, so that's, that's kind of neat. Okay. Um, uh, Teo, the shield mage. Two and a white, legendary planeswalker Teo. You have hexproof. Minus two, create a zero three white wall creature token with defender. Oh, he comes with loyalty five. So, he was one of our holes, meaning... We had an uncommon white hole that we didn't have a planeswalker to put into it. 
We liked this idea of a defensive planeswalker. Uh, we've been talking for a while of making somebody that's like mono whip is super defensive. Um, and what happened was we made him, we just made him as a character, and then Greg Weissman, who wrote the book, really took a, a, a liking to him and ended up making him the POV character, because he wanted somebody that was kind of new to introduce the reader to all the things that are going on, and one of the ways to do that in the story is to have a POV character. And so it's kind of neat. Um, we had made the character, and we, we really made him mechanically. It's like, oh, he's a defensive white What does he do? Well, he makes walls. That's the first, His minus ability is what we did. It's like, he makes walls. Uh, and then when we had to put a static ability, it's like, oh, well, how about you with Hexproof? He protects you, puts a shield around you, and he puts a shield, you know, he makes a wall to sort of shield your creature. So he really, especially protecting you, the Planeswalker, and that, he protects you from spells, protects you from creatures. So we thought that was cool. And then... Like I said, he really came to like Greg. I mean, we had outlined who he was, and, and it's not that Greg made the character he didn't, but he really fleshed out the character and just really um, brought Teo to life. Next, Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge. Four blue-black, legendary planeswalker Tezzeret. Uh, he has loyalty of five. Creature and planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts, which is they cost one last to cast for each artifact you control. Plus two, Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, deals X damage to each opponent, where X is the number of artifacts you control, you gain X life. Minus three, return target artifact cards from your graveyard to your hand. Minus eight, exile the top ten cards to your library, put all artifact cards among them on the battlefield. So Tezzeret was the buy-a-box. The reason he was the buy-a-box is he's not actually on Ravnica. He is the bridge that's getting the army there. So he's not. I think he's on Omnicat. He's not actually there. He's not on Ravnica. So it's kind of cool to be like, he's in the story, but he's not technically on Ravnica, so he's not technically in the booster. We thought that was kind of cute. And uh, we, we ended up giving him four abilities, which is something that the Mythic Rares all have. Um, he, because he's not in the box, we didn't need to worry about him for limited. we really played off his normal strategy, which is he's an artifact planeswalker. You want to play him an artifact deck. He's of no use. You need artifacts. That's what he does. So all his abilities... Okay, so he has Affinity for Artifacts. We talked about whether we should write it out or not. When, when it wasn't in the box, we decided just to make the bio box splashier looking. Like, if we had written it out, he would have the same ability. Just We, we called the artifact Affinity for Artifacts. Um, obviously, Affinity was quite broken when we first did it back in original Mirrodin, so we knew it would be kind of splashy. Um, he gets to damage the opponent equal number of artifacts. He gets to get artifacts back from the graveyard. And he gets to get artifacts from your library onto the battlefield. We do top a library rather than battlefield, uh, rather than search just so you don't quite know what you're going to get. It makes better gameplay rather than you always tutor for the same thing. Um, but it's a pretty splashy ability in that if you're playing an artifact deck, well, your top ten cards, some of them should be artifacts. And so, anyway, we thought that was pretty splashy. The Elder Spell, which... I take offense to it. It's not alphabetized at E, but... Uh, it's black, black sorcery. Destroy any number of target planeswalkers. Choose a planeswalker you control. Put two loyalty counters on it for each planeswalker destroyed this way. Well, the Elder Spell was the spell that Bolas used that to become a god. The idea was he killed planeswalkers and then he got stronger. So this just felt perfect. Like, you destroy any number of planeswalkers and then you get... Ugh, suck up their loyalty. So this is like... The, one. Sometimes when you're trying to represent a story point, it gets hard. You know, like... You know, when we trapped uh, um, Emrakul in the moon, like, we had to really bend over backwards to make that work. That's just a hard ability to put on a card. This just, like, what does it do? Kills Planeswalkers and make another Planeswalker stronger. Very easy to do. So it was, it was a nice, fun, straightforward, you know, it, it definitely could be splashy and flavorful at once. So I'm very happy with how that turned out. The Wanderer. Not the one, the, the T. I mean, it just should be a W, but... Uh, three and a W. Legendary Planeswalker 5. Prevent all non-combat damage to be dealt to you and other permanents you control. 
Uh, minus two, exile target creature with power four or greater. So this is another hole we filled. We made the card before we made the character. Uh, we like the idea that it killed larger things, that we, an ability we do in white. Uh, the static ability, I think, was... Um, oh, protects you from non-combat damage. So it sort of makes protective. Uh, I'm not sure why we, that those two abilities got tied together. It might have been they were looking for cool abilities that they thought made sense, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure why that ended up being on this particular one. The Wanderer... Uh, they made a very cool character for the Wanderer. They decided they wanted the sense of mystery that no one knows who she is, so they didn't give her a... Um, she, she's the only Planeswalker that doesn't have... Like, she's not le- Legendary Planeswalker somebody. Uh, and so, who knows? Who know? We don't know who the Wanderer is. So we thought, I, don't know, I thought that was cool. Tybalt, Rakish Instigator. Two in a red. Legendary Planeswalker Tybalt. Your opponent can't gain life. Minus two, create a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token with... When this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. Oh, and he has a loyalty of five. So he's three mana, one of which is red. We knew we wanted another Tybalt. We talked about whether it should be black-red. We, we had angry at black-red, so we made a mono-red. That's what, what he was before. Um, we like the idea of tying planeswalkers with our home plane. Devils are a thing from Innistrad. He's from Innistrad, and he's a devil or part devil. Um, so we like the idea that he made devils. That seemed pretty cool. Um, and then... Um, we like the idea that it damages players because he plays in pain, and then like, oh, well, what would a plane? What, what if you can't heal? So he, and then he has ability. You know, it, it was made a nice, simple, uh, uncommon. But um, he's a sideboard card. You might want to play in the right deck. So like in a mono red deck, that his his static ability was made to be something that in, you might want to sideboard him in or in a certain constructed that, that might matter. It doesn't matter a lot in limited, although it can. But it matters quite a bit, or it can matter quite a bit in constructed. I mean, that might be the reason you play him. Time wipe, two white, white, blue, five mana, two which is white, one which is blue. Return a creature you control to its owner's hand, and then destroy all creatures. Like I said, there was a war, so we decided to do more sweeping effects. Uh, we thought it was just kind of cool. Blue, what would blue, white do? Well, how about a wrath? But instead of a normal wrath, we get to bounce something first. So we thought that was, um, like, you get to save one of your creatures before the wrath. We thought that was cool. Okay, Tulsimir, friend of wolves, two green, green, white. Uh, it is a 3-3 legendary elf scout. It's a creature. When Tulsimir, friend of wolves, enters the battlefield, create Voya, friend to elves, a legendary 3-3 green and white wolf creature token. Whenever a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life, and that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. So the idea is uh, Tulsimir makes a wolf, so that wolf triggers his ability, but, oh, it's kind of cute. You can play him in a wolf-themed deck, and so, um, once again, this was made as a rare... Uh, in limited, for example, there's not a lot of wolves. There's a few wolves, but not a lot of wolves. But you know, him making Voya the three-three, and then Voya doing the fighting. If it just did that, fine. It's a three-three with the three-three and fighting. The card is fine, and it builds around. You can make wolf stuff. Tomek, distinguished advocate, white, white, uh, two-three legendary human advisor. Um, uh, Tomek is uh, Ral's bow, uh, so. He is flying, lands on the battlefield, the land cards and graveyards can't be the targets of spells or abilities your opponent can control. Your opponents can't play land cards from graveyards. Um, so he's, I think he's in, I forget whether, I think he's in uh, Orzhov, I think. But anyway, um, he protects He protects uh, your lands, and he just has a land-based ability. Uh, so they can't be targets, and then you can't play lands from the graveyard. So he's sort of... Um, I, I think he's narrow. I think he's meant to be something where you can sort of build around him. Like, he, he doesn't have a lot of role in uh, Limited, but he's, he's rare. Um, okay, I'm trying to zoom through these because I'm, 
I'm at work. But I'm almost to the end, so I'm going to finish here. Ugin the Ineffable, six. Legendary Planeswalker Ugin, loyalty four. Colorless spells you cast cost two less to cast. Plus Y, exile the top card of your library face down and look at it. Create a 2-2 colorless spirit creature token. When that token leaves the battlefield, put the exile card in your hand. So it's kind of a manifest-ish ability. Uh, minus three, destroy target permanent that's one or more color. So Ugin, we made him expensive. He plays in kind of his colorless matter sort of thing. He makes your color spells cheaper. He destroys colored things. Uh, and then he does a manifest ability. So he, we're, we're definitely playing in kind of Tarkir space that we know of him. Um, and like I said, it's tricky to do monocolored planeswalkers. You want to make them kind of narrow. Um, the idea here, which is nice, is that uh, his static ability is something that really makes sense in a deck with lots of colorless abilities, but in limited, okay, he can destroy something at least once, uh, and then he has his plus ability where you can sort of make, you know, two twos out of your library, so, you know, he has relative, he has, he does something in limited, but really to build around him, you want to have him in a colorless deck. Okay, next. Vivian, Champion of the Wild. Two and a green, legendary planeswalker Vivian. You may cast creature spells as though they had flash. Plus one until your next turn, a uh, loyalty four for Vivian. Plus one until your next turn, up to one target creature gains vigilance and reach. Uh, minus two, look at the top three cards of your library, exile one face down, put the rest on the bottom of your library. For as long as it remains exiled, you may look at that card, you may cast it if it's a creature. So Vivian, uh, she has the bow that shoots out against creatures. So um, she's creature-based. She can cast your creatures as, as they give them flash. and cast them as, as, anytime you can cast an instant. Um, she can boost your creatures, giving them vigilance and reach, with, which are both green things. Uh, and um, also it says until your next turn because reach is defensive. So when she grants it, not just for this turn, but up until your next turn. Uh, and then she looks at it. The reason it exiles anything is it's just cleaner to exiles anything. Really, she wants to have a creature, but if you, in order to show the opponent you have a creature, you'd have to reveal the card. But by doing it this way, you can do it face down, and your opponent, it's a surprise, they don't know what it is. And then just says, well, you can only cast it if it's a creature, to mean, hey, go get a creature, but this is the way we can do it so your opponent doesn't get to see it. Otherwise, if it said creature, you have to show them it's a creature to prove that you're not getting something you're not allowed to get. And then Vivian's Arcbow, one on a green, legendary artifact, X-Tap, discard a card, look at the top X cards of your library, you may put a creature card with front mana cards, extra less from among them, onto the battlefield, put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. Her bow, if you don't know, uh, her world was destroyed, I think by Bolas, um, and she has all the creatures, or many of the creatures of her world, tied to spirit animal, tied to her bow, when she fires an arrow, it releases the spirit animal, we were trying to capture that here, so this is her bow, it's, it's a legendary artifact, it's colored though, because it's tied to her, and she's green, um, and then we did X, so the idea is to sort of rein in how, how good a thing she can get. You have to spend more mana to get bigger creatures. Um, but we thought that was pretty cool. Okay. Is that it? Um, I think that is it. I think that was the last thing. Oh, whew. Okay. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed um, these five podcasts. I think we did five podcasts. Um, it was fun going through War of the Spark. There are a lot of neat memories and cool things. Uh, I gave you a little extra tape today so I could finish. Um, I didn't want to have like three things and have another podcast and go, oh, I'm done. Three things. Um, anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this, this jaunt through it. Uh, but anyway, I'm at work and I've been at work for a little bit. So uh, we all know what that means. This is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to make magic. I'll see you guys next time.